Fair Trade, Resilient Rural Communities, Safe Food, and a Healthy Environment. Brought to you by IATP, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Tyson Acker in Minneapolis. On this edition of Radio Sustain, Steve Supan shares his insider perspective on the WTO's recent biotech ruling. IATP President Jim Harkness gives some background on ag policy and rural life in China, where he will be traveling next week. But first, Matthew Foster talks with Brian Noy about IATP's new project to introduce small farmers markets to low-income communities. A new food initiative in Minneapolis is bringing together two groups who don't usually spend much time together. Made possible through the city's Steps to a Healthier Minneapolis program, IATP's new mini-farmers markets are designed to make it easier for residents of low-income neighborhoods to find fresh produce. These mini-markets occur weekly on the same day as the larger markets throughout the city, making them a convenient second stop for farmers who sell produce at the big markets. Project Coordinator Brian Noy. We found farmers from the large downtown farmers market and had them come to our site in the afternoon when the first one closed. So that way the farmers didn't have to invest any extra energy into harvesting and commuting. They were already here within the city with all the produce already. We just gave them another little venue to sell at. Farmers markets have all of a sudden became really sexy. That It doesn't take much work to go and convince a community that a farmers market is something that the residents need and is a good community builder and it's just an amazing asset to the community. Once we had the experience of doing it the first year, we know that it works well, we know what it takes to license it. You know, just sharing that with these different communities was really easy and as soon as you told them that is something that they wanted to see. And so it started with the one in Phillips last year and from there it grew into about another three or four this year and there's three sites a couple of um, low-income high-rise, public high-rise buildings that want to replicate it again next year. One of the greatest factors to the success of these markets were these Farmers Market Nutrition Program coupons. It's subsidized funding that goes through WICs and other food staff venues. Fundamentally, they're gift certificates that can only be redeemed at farmers markets. And each family that qualifies for it gets $20 worth of funding, good only for farmers market per year. This is in Minnesota. It differs state to state, but most states do have a program with similar funding. And looking at the, the proposals for next year is that there's going to be a lot more funding into this and other similar programs. And when we're looking at the Cedar Riverside neighborhood, a primarily Somalian community, two thirds of the sales at the farmer's market consisted of these coupons. And although the county and the state and the federal government is putting all this money into the funding and giving residents coupons, they're not really giving them the means to commute to a market and they don't always have you know, the knowledge of where a farmer's market is. So instead of giving them money to purchase produce and expecting them to go somewhere and find it, we're actually bringing farmers right to where they have it. I'm Matthew Foster. When I fall in love, I get busy. Brian Noy is IATP's Regional Food Systems Project Coordinator. For more information about the Mini Markets Project, visit iatp.org. 
Last week, the World Trade Organization issued its final ruling in the controversial biotech products case. In the dispute, the U.S., Canada, and Argentina challenged a European ban on the introduction of new genetically engineered crops. Europe contends that it has already changed its regulatory approach and that the ruling will have no immediate effect. But IATP's senior trade analyst Steve Supan argues that the ruling undermines a precautionary approach in regulating new technologies and could open up new legal challenges. We sat down with Steve to learn more. Could you explain the precautionary principle and how the WTO ruling threatens that regulatory approach? Well, uh, first, the precautionary principle is a uh, kind of regulatory framework currently used in the European Union member states and by the European Commission to deal with problems pertaining to insufficiency or uncertainty of scientific evidence that are used to, to justify regulatory decisions. The precautionary principle is also part of the Cartagena Protocol on Biosafety, which the European communities have signed and, and ratified, uh, which the U.S. has steadfastly opposed and refused to sign. And so the, the invocation of the precautionary principle as a basis for uh, defending uh, European Union member state uh, safeguards against GMOs and for the European Commission's own regulations on GMOs posed a real difficult challenge for the panel. But they simply did say that WTO members who were not members of the biosafety protocol or parties to the biosafety protocol were not uh, obliged by it and therefore the defense could not be used. And this presents a terrible dilemma for uh, international law because basically that decision provides every incentive for countries not to sign on to any international multilateral agreement. Uh, the WTO issued an interim ruling in this case in February and then now finally has issued the final ruling, I guess, in, in late September. Why did it take them so long? The, the seven-month lapse uh, was a very dangerous lapse insofar as the decisions was leaked to the press in the form of a rumor, and the rumor was used by diplomats to pressure developing countries not to implement their biosafety protocol commitments in, in national legislation on biosafety. That was a very dangerous development that, uh, as far as we can tell, the, uh, the WTO secretariat did not denounce nor try to prevent. In the ruling, IATP and Friends of the Earth in Europe are criticized as part of the, are, are named in the final ruling and called for undermining the dispute settlement process by leaking copies of the interim ruling on their websites. Uh, what is the problem here with the WTO? What are they upset about and should they be upset about something like this? Well, in terms of the, the leaking of the conclusions or the publishing of the conclusions, it was IATP's decision to, uh, to post the interim conclusions because we could see that a public relations campaign was forming on the basis of a rumor. Both U.S. and, uh, and biotech industry officials um, obviously, in our view, uh, you know, leaked what was a rumor, leaked their interpretation of the decision, and were using it to beat developing countries into submission uh, to conform uh, their biosafety legislation to that of U.S. biotech industry interests. So, you know, by putting up the, the interim conclusions, we could at least compare them to what the final uh, ruling was going to be. In the case of, of, of Friends of the Earth uh, Europe, I don't want to speak too much for them, but the um, 
the panel complained that there was strictly confidential information, which presumably concerned uh, trade secrets or, or uh, uh, you know, data that was protected by confidential business clauses. Um, there was no real grounds for this complaint because uh, Friends of the Earth's lawyers expunged that data uh, when they published the entire uh, interim ruling. Uh, in my view, the, the Secretariat's complaints that we somehow violated the integrity of the dispute settlement process are, are not justified because they themselves needed to have really stopped the, the leak uh, by U.S. officials and industry officials. We tried to guarantee the integrity of the dispute settlement process by ensuring that any comments made about the interim ruling were based on the actual ruling and not on the basis of, of, of rumors and public relations campaigns about it. Thanks, Steve. I'm Ben Lilliston for Radio Sustain. Steve Supan is IATP's Senior Policy Analyst. For more information on this and other WTO rulings, visit tradeobservatory.org. driving major changes in its rural countryside. Changes which impact not only China, but the global economy as a whole. Over the next month, IATP President Jim Harkness will be in China, attending a series of high-level meetings addressing topics such as rural-to-urban migration, green business, and sustainable agriculture. We spoke with Jim just before he left to get some background on his trip and these issues. In China, rural women were committing suicide at a horrifying rate in the 1990s. Um, at one point, 52% of all suicides on earth were Chinese women. There were a whole set of cultural and social disruptions associated with the changes in rural China, combined with the one-child policy and rural-to-urban migration that put huge pressures on rural women. They don't have more kids who might be able to help out on the farm. They're stuck there because the husband has gone to look for work in the city. They're bearing all the burden of managing the farm, raising the kids, debts, etc. Plus, that was also when the government effectively, you know, cut the support for rural health care and education so that there was just a convergence of things that, that, that led to this happening. During the time of Jiang Zemin, the last supreme leader. They had all these terrible agricultural policies, but he was also kind of old and doddering and didn't pay that much attention to civil society. So you actually had some very interesting things coming up in terms of non-governmental organizations. Well, the current guy is, uh, he's much more concerned about, about rural people and about, uh, about the environment, for instance, but he's also a stern party disciplinarian and he's he really wants to reassert the centrality of Beijing over the provinces and of the party over society so how to actually best engage in China is getting more and more complicated Jim Harkness is president of IATP Join us again over the next couple weeks as Jim provides us with updates while on the road in China.
Radio Sustain is a project of IATP, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Find us on the web at iatp.org. Radio Sustain is produced by Ben Lilliston. Our editor is Matthew Foster. Today's music is Tall Fiddler by Deo, Ophelia's Song by Pan, and Someone Turning by Arctic. I'm Tyson Acker. Thanks for listening. Thank you.